0: Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast for adults. You are listening to a weekly publication, produced every Friday morning. This is our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Don't forget to stop by our webpage for information about this show and others. KinkyCast.com Cassie will introduce today's guest.
1: On today's Kinky Cast, episode 491, we present the top 15 misconceptions regarding professional adult workers. Woody and Sweet Mistress Sin talk about a list of misconceptions gathered from a group of adult workers in the Dallas area. If you want to read the list, it's on the show page. Here's your host, Woody.
0: Thanks, Max. Welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. We're back in the studio for a change today. We've been on the road so much. And on with us is an old friend from Texas. How are you, sweet Mistress Sin?
1: I am doing great. Thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you here. And we were talking and that you were telling me sometimes people have misconceptions of what adult professional worker does. And you came up with some ideas about that. Let's give a little background on what you do for a living.
1: Yes. So uh, I've been in the adult industry for 23 years. I started out doing massage, and then slowly but surely throughout the years, I started adding more and more fetish activities onto my repertoire. And then in 2011, I started doing videos, and I did fetish videos for about seven years. I'm on a hiatus from the video production right now, so I've been focusing a lot on my sessions for, since last October. And it really reminds me of a lot of misconceptions regarding professional adult workers. And so I'm really glad that we can talk about this today so we can educate everyone.
0: Absolutely. So you're going to give us a a U.S. version of this, and I'll, I'll throw in some international ones that I know from things that I've heard around the world. Sounds great. So let's do it by the numbers. So we have a list here. Number one. Pro must equal prostitute, of course. I will likely go to have sex with her.
1: It depends on the type of adult worker that you're seeing, at least in the US. I don't know how it is over in the UK. There's three different types you have escorts, you have massage providers, and you have BDSM providers that may also include disciplinarians or pro mommies. And so just because a lady is a pro doesn't automatically include sex it may or may not and so it's very important not to automatically assume that unless it's an escort and that's probably a better guess
0: and so know who you're hiring in other words
1: exactly
0: Uh, and i have known guys that have gone to uh pro bdsm shops and expected to have sex and i said i don't think you're going to get sex there and they're going oh i will Come back the next day, they go, I didn't. Exactly.
1: Mm -hmm. So it's actually good to do the due diligence and do a little bit of research on whoever it is that you're considering seeing professionally so that you don't waste your time and you don't have an unrealistic expectation.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's take a look at number two here. If you're getting paid, you don't enjoy it and it's all about the money.
1: This is a very common misconception and I can't speak for every adult worker, but I truly believe for the majority of them that this is a very false statement because there are too many things that an adult worker could be doing instead because at some point, the majority of adult workers all go through some degree of questioning, shaming, judgment, and or misunderstanding by others due to our occupation. There's plenty of other things that we could be doing. So why would we want to put ourselves through that? The answer is because we enjoy what we do. Also, our occupation also causes us to sometimes have to be secretive about things. For the majority of us, it's not just a job, but an adventure. So this statement couldn't be further from the truth.
0: It's interesting because, first off, you do enjoy what you're doing because you, you tap your creativity. And you're thinking of when somebody's coming in and what they want, you're preparing and your mind's running 90 miles an hour trying to come up with a a good scene that will please you and them.
1: Exactly. It's a very creative process. Just psychological, really, as far as the fetish world goes. It's very psychological and a lot of mental thought stuff going on, such as role play and things like that.
0: Mindfuckery, good stuff.
1: All right, number three. If you see a pro
0: dom, you're automatically going to get beat to the point of marks, fucked with a strap on. Something will be foisted upon you, or all of the
1: above. Yes, these guys that are brand new to trying BDSM and fetish play, they have this very common misconception. Because they don't understand that everything is negotiated. And so they automatically assume the worst. So they sit. I hear the kind of things like, I saw you beat that guy to where he was black and blue on the video. I don't want you doing that. To me. I'm not going to do that to you unless we negotiate that. So I think this, that's
0: a misconception is negotiation. They walk in, you pay your money, and you get whatever you get. No.
1: Right. And there are some, I, I will say, there are some pro-doms that do it that way. Mainly the ones that wear the latex and swing the whip and flipping off the camera and all that kind of stuff. Those are, a lot of those are like the fin-doms and stuff like that. They don't really care what you want. But the, I would say the majority of them do. This is supposed to be consensual and it is supposed to be negotiated. And so you can really tell a lot about that lady just by thoroughly reading her ad or web page or website or whatever it is, it's very important to do the due diligence so that you can see that everything will be negotiated. It's just a matter of keeping it within that lady's boundaries and your boundaries, of course.
0: Absolutely. Number four, her ladies who are also fetish models will automatically do the same things to you that you see them do on film with other models. Is that true?
1: This is a very common misconception. So sometimes I'll get people that will have seen my video store, and then they'll say, oh, my goodness, I see that you do a lot of adult diaper content. I hope you don't put me in a diaper. (laughs) And I always laugh. I'm like do you want an adult diaper? And they're like, no. And I'm like, then why do you think I'm automatically going to put you in an adult diaper? And they're like, that's what I see in your videos. I'm like, we do what sells, what we enjoy and what, what sells. And it's not an automatic. And then they'll say, I want role play. I want this. I want that. I didn't see you doing that in your videos. And I'll and I'll always tell them, I'm pretty well versed. It doesn't just have to be spanking and diapering and whatever in the video. So uh, it also goes for pro subs though, too. Um, there's this assumption that the pro-sub will automatically do whatever the viewer sees them doing on fetish films. And this isn't always the case either. What I mean by this is I have uh, several pro-subs that I've worked with that also works for other very reputable producers. And these subs are pain sluts, basically. They can really take a spanking. A good example of this is Michael Masterson. He's a great producer. He works with my good friend Alice from Dallas, also my friend Isabella Domish, and they have taken some crazy spankings from Michael Masterson. And so whenever they're in a pro-sub session, then these guys that hire them for the session expects them to take a crazy spanking from them. And a lot of times, they don't even properly know how to administer a proper spanking. Safely. Exactly. So not only does that go for the pro ladies that are tops, but that also goes for the pro ladies that are bottoms. So basically, the good rule of thumb is whatever on video gives you an idea of what that lady may be doing, but it's not always exact because every session is completely different.
0: Very true. Very true. Number five, last minute session request. The pro lady I'm considering must be sitting around waiting
1: for the phone to ring. So contrary to popular belief, we are not just sitting around eating bonbons waiting for the phone to ring. Once again, thoroughly read the lady's ad or website. If her ad or website says she needs notice, please pay attention and respect that. She's saying this for a reason. It is very disrespectful to not give the notice that she's asked for. Because if she says she needs three or four hours' notice or a day's notice or whatever it is, it's very important that you honor and respect that. Because otherwise, you're going to be very frustrated. Because if we don't hear from people, then we make other plans. It's just the way it goes.
0: I know you're a busy person. We've gone back and forth trying to get a date for this call for a while. And I know you're booked up so yeah all right number six not being forthcoming about giving your name and proper introduction for automatic fear your privacy is going to be violated or you're going to get ripped off or both
1: yes this is a very common one a lot of times newbies do not want to hardly give any information at all they don't want to give their name They don't want to give their number. They're very cloak and dagger about who they are. But once again, read the lady's ad or website. Do a search on her. Read what her requirements are. Check to see if she is verifiable online and has a good reputation. Now, imagine yourself in her shoes. So if a total stranger called you for a session and you're going to host this person at your private residence or abode or in-call location, what would you want to know about that person that would make you feel safe? So it's really important that, you, yes, we know most of these guys are married, but it also is a safety topic. And there is, without a doubt, some scammers out there, but by doing your own due diligence to research the lady in advance, this should calm down any fears that you have of that.
0: This takes me back to a story that I've told before on the cast. My mentor, who is a pro in Los Angeles, if she goes to a fetish event, guys will literally follow her around the room and say, please do a scene with me. And she finally just turns and says, hand me your wallet. (laughs) And they're taken back at that point. Why do you want my wallet? She says, I don't know who you are. Exactly. So you're going to put your life into the hands of this person, but not want to give your wallet? Really?
1: Exactly. Or hell, even a business card or, or a license or a LinkedIn profile. They want all this stuff done to them. They want to come to our house or residence or whatever, but they don't want to tell us who they are. Now, so I, I will say not everybody is like that. Some of them are really good and really forthcoming, but this is a safety topic. We have much better things to do than be concerned whether these guys are married or not or dating or not. Or whatever. We're not going to violate their privacy. There may be some bad eggs that have violated a guy's privacy, but the majority do not. We don't even have the time to care about any of that stuff. We just want to make sure that we're safe and that everybody knows who everybody is.
0: I think you really hit it on the head there. You don't have time to go chasing around and having cloak and dagger with somebody. You got uh, calls to do.
1: Exactly.
0: Number seven, it's your right to get excessive details before making a deposit and or booking with a pro.
1: You would not believe the number of people that we get turning what should be a nice, polite, respectful, brief conversation into a jerk-off call. And just for everybody out there, we know this. We see it, especially us that's been in the business for a long time like myself. We spot it immediately. So the good rule of thumb is read the lady's web page or ad. I keep saying this over and over because it's very important. You're going to get the details that you need to know in her ad. The ad or website is going to tell you everything that you need to know. Now, most pros will provide some sort of free consult that stays within respectful lines. But remember, she leads the conversation, not you. So if you need more information beyond that, then you need to book an online session because excessive details is a paid activity for pros. So in other words, be prepared to pay her through Nightflirt or PayPal or Venmo or Cash App or whatever it is, because it's a consult. It's her time. It's a consult. Both your time and the pros time is valuable. And you have to remember that.
0: Think about it like booking a lawyer.
1: Exactly.
0: Number eight, automatically assuming the lady you are with is going to secretly film online or in-person sessions.
1: So for the hundredth time, once again, thoroughly read the lady's ad and do a search regarding her background and her reputation, because it's disrespectful to automatically assume such a negative thing due to your own paranoia. As adult workers, we have zero reason to want to film an online or an in-person session. And just to be honest with you, we sometimes wonder if you or the client may be doing the same thing. The law prohibits anyone from publicly posting anything without a model's release. So it does not behoove us at all to do this. And it's very important that people understand this.
0: Very true. You secretly hold back what you really like.
1: I hear this all the time. It's, I have a whole laundry list on my webpage ad. What more do you think that I'm not telling? We advertise all of what we feel comfortable with doing with our clients. If we didn't like it, we wouldn't waste the time to advertise it. There are some things that we reserve to say for the one that we are involved in a vanilla personal relationship with, or maybe we have other reasons for not doing whatever it is that this person may be hoping for that isn't listed, but there's some things that we say for the one that we love. We have our things that we do with our clients and we have things that we do with the people we're in a relationship with. There is sometimes where there may be something listed that we haven't listed on our webpage to add or website or whatnot, but most of the time, everything that a woman offers is on there.
0: I once dated an erotic dancer, and I was surprised how she has two different lists of the one that's for a personal relationship and the one that's for a public relationship.
1: Exactly. It's It's
0: like day and night. Number 10, you have an official website to be successful, trustworthy, or both?
1: Yes. There's some people that think you have to have this official website to be trustworthy or be successful. And it does help, but it is absolutely positively not mandatory. There are many ladies that work under the radar that have no website at all and can be only contacted via email. Or their ad. There's some ladies that only do webpage ads, including myself. I've been in the business for 23 years. And yes, I have a Clips for Sale story. Yes, I have a Twitter. Yes, I have a Tube. Yes, I have an email. But at this point, I've only been advertising with webpage ads, like on Eros and Trist. I will have a, a website eventually, but I stay so bombarded. With all of the regular clientele that I have, I just haven't had the need to do that.
0: The amount of work to put into a web page and keep it fresh and all that is more of that time that you charge for. Right. And just keeping the KinkyCast web page alive is just pretty much a full-time job.
1: Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I guess the main thing is, as long as the lady is verifiable online... Even if it isn't necessarily an official site, look and see if she's got reviews on Eki or the Erotic Review or any of these review boards. Or does she have a Twitter? Does she have a, a webpage ad on Eros or Trist or somewhere else? Does she have a, different things? Anything that verifies who she is. And as long as you can find a trail that verifies her and she's got some good reviews floating around about her, I think that's a very good sign. And someone that you could probably feel pretty confident and safe in calling.
0: The, those methods of checking you out, I think, are very valid. And they're going to be a lot more valid than if you had a really glitzy web page that uh, doesn't really, that's put up by you and not verified by anybody. Right. Number 11, your mistress or disciplinarian has to attend a party or event to be successful or you have to attend to not feel left out.
1: So some people have a lot of fun at fetish parties and events, but the deep, dark secret about that is a lot of fetish parties and events to some people can be very cliquish. And there are some people, there's some that walk away feeling great, and they loved it. And then there's another half of people, usually the more introverted ones, that could walk away feeling very left out and sometimes the host of said party or event can be doing it more for his or her own power and recognition rather than humble reasons there have been some instances of event hosts even bullying those that they don't personally like so what I have found personally is if you, especially if you're fairly introverted and you value your privacy and you want to avoid any potential drama and have a more personalized, positively predictable experience, then a lot of times it's best to stick with one-on-one professional sessions because you don't have to attend this party or event to be successful and you don't have to attend the party or event to not feel left out. It's all a matter of preference. If you're an outgoing person and you don't mind clickish stuff, then go attend the party. But even if you don't attend the party, you're still going to be fine. You're probably going to get a lot more attention on a, I guess what I'm trying to say, you're probably going to get a lot more personal attention with a one-on-one session anyway. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Number 12,
0: face-sitting automatically means you get to do oral on the lady.
1: This is another one that could not be further from the truth. Generally speaking, face-sitting in the escort world means without underwear, and there's usually oral involved. But face-sitting in the BDSM world, underwear is almost always left on, and it is more about teasing, breath play, and panty sniffing. Face-sitting with a BDSM fetish provider, panties are generally on, 99.9% of the time, unless it's queening, and then they're off.
0: Okay. Making notes.
1: Guys don't understand this, a lot of them, unless they're really into breath play and panty sniffing and all that. Those are the guys that usually understand it, but the other ones generally don't.
0: Number 13, the adult diaper fetish, ABDL, or paraphilic infantilism is associated with pedophilia. Either the giver or the recipient must be into
1: children. This is a big, big, big misconception. A lot of people avoid this fetish with a 10-foot pole because they feel like it's involving pedophilia and it absolutely, positively does not. People with this fetish are not attracted to children at all and do not seek them as sexual partners. They simply want to be treated as a child or a baby or age regressed. Now, there are organizations both in the U.S. and uh, overseas that do promote that. I absolutely positively do not, but there are organizations that do, um, but that would not be the ABDL finish. So when you hear DL, which is diaper lover, ABDL, which is adult baby diaper lover, or even age regression, it's not associated with pedophilia.
0: Pedophilia is a big red flag, and if you run into it in either sex work or in uh, BDSM community, run the other way. Because exactly. it, it is dangerous, it is illegal, and you will not find people that will engage you.
1: Exactly.
0: Number 14, when the adult industry automatically must have STDs. Automatically.
1: I don't know, isn't that crazy? It's funny how people think this. Now, most pros that I know, and I've known escorts, I've known disciplinarians, I've known massage ladies, I've known everybody under the sun. And most of them are so paranoid of it, they get checked all the time. At a minimum, they get checked once a year, minimum. And I can't always say that for vanilla people. How many vanilla people get checked regularly or checked once a year? Forever. Maybe, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. But one thing that I can say, and I'm going to put my mama hat on for just a minute here. But one thing that people need to remember, there's two things as far as STDs are concerned. The first thing is HPV. HPV can be uh, transmitted through oral sex. So Michael Douglas was a perfect example of someone that had got HPV in his throat. So this is just something to think about, guys, for whenever you see an escort. If you want to see an escort, great, but just know that possibility is there. They don't automatically have an HPV, but I'm just saying that this is something that could be transmitted, just like herpes. If you do a body-to-body massage, I would say a lot of pros are safe and checking themselves and all that but for that one that for whatever reason didn't the scammer or whatever that doesn't keep up with all that one little bunk with a body-to-body massage is all it takes and then you could potentially have a herpes problem forever so these are just things to think about not only is it good that you're Professional lady is regularly tested, but it's also good that you're regularly tested as well.
0: And also, when you have a client come in, I'm sure you give them the once over look. Exactly. Yes, we're not doing it in the dark here. We're going to see what you got.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you but know what's really funny is in, I think it's Las Vegas or Nevada, like at the bunny ranches, they will physically inspect the guys. They will take a flashlight and physically inspect them, from what I've heard. Before they even allow them to go see any of the girls.
0: I have a friend at the Bunny Ranch that has described that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. You can't be too safe in the world of STDs, STIs, and all these viruses that are being so easily transmitted. Also, you mentioned HPV.
1: Yes, human papillomavirus, Yeah,
0: Kids are getting inoculated early for this, like I think when they're 13. But older people... We're not exactly and so there. There is a buffer line somewhere, and and I can't tell you where the cutoff age is somewhere in the forties. That we're not immunized against it, and th- those are things to keep in mind when you're out with an older person. Probably right. didn't get right. the vaccine.
1: And well, here's the sad part about it: is there's some vaccines, and I won't get into a political discussion, but there's some vaccines that even if they say you're not going to get whatever. You still can get it. A- very true. Right. Very true. I've known you- yeah, it's not a guarantee. A lot of people. Yeah, that have still got things, even though that they were vaccinated. So that's, yeah, not always a guarantee either.
0: You use your best judgment. And I will say that I have been very lucky in the long years that I have played. I've always kept a level of hygiene as requirements and also look over the person you're with. And I've somehow, in all these years, got unscathed by any diseases.
1: Yes, Uh, me too. Me too. uh,
0: It's a good thing. Uh, While we're on that subject, uh, when somebody comes to you and they haven't bathed in a couple days and uh, what have you, what do you do?
1: Fortunately, that doesn't happen. Every once in a while, I'll get somebody that their deodorant has run out. (laughs) But most of the time, everybody is very clean and well-prepared. Now... I will say the two probably grossest things that sometimes they get is either A, their deodorant has run ill, or B, they haven't wiped their bottom good. You'd be surprised how many people I see that hasn't wiped their bottom good.
0: I'm not surprised. The yeah. I'm not crazy. surprised. Uh, I, I've had um, a friend who's a pro in San Francisco send a client home for that. Wow. Mm-hmm. And with the warning, if you come back, it won't be this way.
1: Or they want to do anal play and they haven't done an enema or they haven't washed it down there. You'd be surprised how many guys show up doing that too. It's just common sense.
0: Common sense aren't common. That's the problem. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Okay. And the big number 15, the end of our list here. Pros in the adult industry are incapable of having a committed monogamous relationship.
1: Isn't that a sad thing, that people automatically assume that?
0: Yeah. I know so many professional sex workers around the world that have very good home lives with monogamous uh, partners. And just because you're out as a prostitute having sex with people does not mean that you're non-monogamous at home.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Or, in my case, since I do massage and finish work, I'm not having sex with people. That's no hard living. I'm not a full-service provider, a full-service escort, and it's very easy for me to say that for the one that I love, and that's a real shame that people don't understand that an adult worker can be monogamous. I can't say, I can't speak for all of them, maybe there's some that just can't, but There's a lot of them that can, that are happily married and have children and families and everything, and it's successful for them. It absolutely is. it's not wise to automatically assume that everybody's swimming in from the chandeliers and can't be committed to anybody. And this also goes for another thing, too. This leads me to another thing is don't automatically assume that every single adult worker is single and that... You can waste her time and go above and beyond that hour because, oh, she doesn't have anybody else to go to because she couldn't possibly be monogamous and committed to anyone.
0: (laughs) She sits by the phone, right?
1: Exactly. In the blonde ones.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you have no life
1: at all. Exactly. It's just not wise for the same because you know what happens. It makes an ass of you and me both, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it does.
1: So, what about your friends from the UK, and what's some of the common misconceptions with them?
0: I, I do have uh, a couple good friends that are uh, married, couple kids. They, one of them is a prostitute, and one of the other one is a pro dom. And actually, I have several of those friends in the Netherlands, UK, around the area, and they have. Uh, wonderful relationships some of them are poly i'm poly i can relate to them some of them are bi and and they have closed relationships with a couple people but when they're in the professional business th- there is a hard line drawn there between what they do at home and what they do for work
1: absolutely yes i totally agree with that so i was in a committed relationship or so i thought for 7 years And we had hard limits. And the limits were that we were going to be monogamous with one another. And when we split, I spoke to a couple counselors about it. And they both told me, do not beat yourself up over the fact that you were an adult worker and this split occurred. Even though that this person was indirectly trying to blame it on that. She said, he knew going in. And at the end of the day, with any adult worker that's in a relationship, this is what they're telling me, it all depends on what was negotiated. Because regardless if they're an adult worker or do this or do that, what was negotiated at the very beginning of that relationship? And it's all about staying true to whatever that agreement is. And they can. There are plenty of adult workers that can agree to that. So they definitely can have a committed relationship if they wanted to. And like you said, many do.
0: And it's more than just a relationship. In some cases, it's uh, dealing with uh, kids in school, community, uh, being out there publicly with your family, and then being private with your work.
1: Exactly. That
0: is often a hard line to walk.
1: Right. And you know, what's funny is for me personally, whenever I come back to my family after a long day of seeing clients, it's nice to do normal things. Just to go to the grocery store and go to the bank and go to Walmart and go shopping or whatever. It's just nice to have that normalcy. And have this job where I can do these wonderful, adventurous, crazy things with these guys. And then come home and it's normal. So it's a perfect balance, actually.
0: It it is your day job or evening or whatever it is. But the fact is it's your job and you turn it on and off with a key switch.
1: Exactly, for sure.
0: And I think people need to really understand the word sex worker has the word worker in it. Right. And it is your job and you're doing it. And the thing is, you love your work. I love my work. We get out, we do it, and we take it on as a challenge. We find new ways to induce pain onto lovely people. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. But then we turn off the switch and we do our home life.
1: Right. For Sure. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for being on the show tonight and bringing this up because we have talked about this before and uh, never brought this level of detail to it. So it's good for people to understand what's going on out there. And for the kink community to hear this, I don't think some of them are too surprised by it, but the vanilla community, I'm sure that this is a big shock too.
1: <laughs> Definitely, especially all these newbies and yeah. They just need the education, and they need to know where the lines are.
0: I've had friends in different communities for many years, and sometimes they just really don't cross out of their community to understand what goes on in the rest of the world. And I've talked to them about sex work, and they had no clue on what happened there. This one guy I was talking to was very active in the gay community, and he has no idea what goes on in the heterosexual community and doesn't have any interest in it and that's all good and fine i'm not going to play in his sandbox and he's not going to play in mine but at least i want to understand what a sandbox is about
1: exactly that's very true and here's one more that some people don't just a little extra fun fact that some people don't understand so let's just say that you're going to book a one-hour session right a one-hour session for a pro lady can easily be three hours worth of time for her. So when people sometimes quibble about, oh gosh, that's more than what I want to pay, they need to remember what all is going on just to make that one hour session happen. So not only is there the advertising, there's the back and forth, but then it's usually about an hour for her to get ready. I would say 30 minutes minimum. And then the session happens. And then there's another at least 30 minutes to an hour of cleanup and sanitizing and all that. So these are some of the other things that it's important that people remember. One hour doesn't just take an hour for a pro lady. It Mm -hmm. could easily be three hours for a one-hour session.
0: And when you know somebody's coming in with a particular fetish, you're preparing that fetish, you're getting hardware out that you're going to use, cleaning it, as you say, keeping everybody safe and sanitized here is critical for the business that you're in very much so. and that and then that doesn't even touch on your personal time of getting ready and right. all that stuff
1: right so. or even stocking the place right so here's another fun fact so i just recently got a new in-call location i've always had in-call locations my last one was sold a little over a year ago so I've had everything in storage and I just recently moved to a new colocation. location And just for the amount of equipment that I have, it fills up a 2,000 square foot house. It took two moving trucks and four movers just to move all my equipment. It cost me $1,600 just in moving expenses. And so for these That's a lot guys, of gear. Cheap, it's a lot of equipment. And so for these guys that are cheap, that like to quibble about rates or whatever, that's an entire house of equipment. And so this is the things that people don't always think about. It costs a lot of money for all this equipment, and it costs even more money to house the equipment now. because house it,
0: electric bill, all that, air-conditioned space, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And the thing is, those things go on 24 hours a day, not for the one-hour session.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's very expensive. It's even more expensive now to have an inco-location. You may have noticed that there's been a lot of ladies that they close their dungeons down after COVID. And the reason why is because everything has went up so expensively all across the board, whether it's purchasing a house, renting a house, doing a commercial office space, any of it is way higher than what it was. And so these are just other things to think about, too, is if you visit a lady with an inco-location, she's especially a a furnished inco-location like that, be prepared to pay a little bit more, but it's worth it because she's prepared.
0: These are all really valid reasons that you do what you do and people will get a full experience when they come
1: to you. Right. Right.
0: Sweet, Mr. Sin, thank you so much for being on the show tonight, bringing this to our our attention, because there's a lot of stuff to to think about here.
1: Oh, definitely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I love being on here with you, and however I can help you in the future, just feel free to give me a call.
0: All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. You have been listening to The Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the Kinky Cast. And we welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max.